Hi everyone, welcome or welcome back to the United Citizens of Europe podcast. This is Luca and today we'll comment the recent Italian elections with journalist Alessandra Santoro and PhD student Giuseppe Lipari. Hi Alessandra, how are you doing? Hi Luca, fine thanks, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Before we start the interview, why don't you tell us a bit about you? Okay, I'm Alessandra Santoro. I'm 26. I'm Italian and I work as a journalist in a press agency. And my expertise is in international relations. So, I mean, I guess it's going to be very um, fruitful to have you here, both as a journalist, as someone who's an expert in uh, politics and international relations. So, as I previously mentioned, uh, in today's episode, we will be discussing about the results of the elections recently held in in Italy. So one of the main points that I wanted to, to ask you is that international media is talking about extreme right, whereas Italian media is describing as the winning coalition as center right. So um, how can we understand... Um, how can you understand what's going on? And does that affect the international reputation of the country? Immediately after the release of the first exit polls, the international press gave immediate importance to the election result. And some broadcasters commented on the votes in Italy by launching reports uh, using black and white images with Benito Mussolini and saying Giorgia Meloni uh, leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. And others say that the probable victory of the Italian right both risk, but it is not right to talk about extremism. So there is a kind of split within the nation and also in Italy's international reputation. And I think that um, elections were another instrument of division between Italy and other countries that instead fight for progressivism and civil mm-hmm. rights. And um, this is what the international press wanted to highlight. Then what can we expect from a Meloni-led government? Because this is one of the um, most uh, obvious government results, let's say, that might come out of after the negotiations, right? Yeah. Someone says um, it is not right to speak of fascism because the matrix of fascism is violence. And we certainly cannot accuse Giorgia Meloni of what we accused Mussolini of. But mm-hmm. fascism is um, also repression of freedom and civil rights, and not just violence in the strict sense. And so um, what can we expect from this government? Um, less attention to the protection of minorities, less attention to the serious problem of poverty, the role of women in society, and... Yeah context of European Union, I think that she is not anti-European, but there are clear signals about the line she wants to follow. So the first concerns um, her proposal to modify the Article 11 of the Constitution, Italian Constitution that states the limitation of Italian sovereignty in favor of supranational bodies, such as the European Union. The second signal concerns that Mm, the vote supporting Orban. That's what uh, um, Poland and Hungary are also trying to do. And I think it's totally dangerous for the citizens. Uh, Georgia Meloni says she wants to protect. I completely agree with the, with the basically with the next coalitions and within the European Union, the countries that are going to become basically 
more aligned and i think yeah as you said like italy it might align more with the um with countries like poland and hungary that i mean they have gone uh, on the extreme right um it's been some time let's say that they've been on the extreme uh, right spectrum so yeah that, that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to develop and one of the things that you you also mentioned is that uh, there is a growing fear of restriction of civil rights amongst mm -hmm. minorities and um you know of course there's the lgbt community that uh, fears the possible elimination of civil partnerships but then also women fear possible repercussions uh from a government that for the first time might be led by a woman so yes. i don't know could you uh, again like more specifically one of the the um the things that uh women are contesting is the right to um to abortion because uh, yes. in one of the regions that um fratelli italia um already governs uh, it's been mm -hmm. even though of course like it's still legal but um like de facto it's very complicated to get an abortion in the region of of marke amongst other regions could you comment yes, um, on on this yes um... I think that Giorgia Meloni has a controversial position on abortion. She says she doesn't want to change the law protecting abortion. She doesn't want to modify this law, but just to she wants she just wants to apply it. But um, the first line of that law states that um, it wants to protect women as mothers. So um, this does not mean giving women freedom over abortion. It simply means returning them to the role of mothers and blaming them for this choice. So um, I think she really wants to modify this law. And um, even if she just wants to apply it, it's not, um, women are not protected anyway. No, yeah, I mean, like, it, it doesn't mean that they're not, even though they don't, even though they're not going to change the law, they might still find a way to make it harder to, um, yeah, get abortion. Why do people consider Meloni's party neo-fascist or post-fascist? Because now people are not, are trying not to talk about uh, neo-fascist anymore, but they are talking more about post-fascist. Um, so what does it mean? Like, and why is it considered uh, like that? Yes, because um, as I um, said before, um, fascism is not just violence. It it is um, uh, it means never blocked, less attention to the protection of minorities, um, such as LGBT communities, um, uh, the role of the women, the problem of poverty, the importance for people of um, can self-determine and choose for themselves. I think that the risk for Giorgia Meloni to become, to represent the lead for the extreme right in Western European member states is very important because she's a leader, she's charismatic, she's determined. And I don't exclude the hypothesis that she could really represent a sort of um, member of post-fascism. We, we went right through with this interview on talking about the let's say the the winner uh the the the, the real winner let's say of the mm -hmm. uh, of these elections in italy but we didn't talk about uh, who are in general like who are the winners and the losers 
of this election because these elections have been like the campaign has not been very long uh, because the the government just fell um, this summer so it, it they only had like one month and a half to campaign right so and who who managed to win of course except for Giorgia Meloni uh, but who who's the winner and who's the loser in um, in your opinion okay I think that uh, nobody won and Everybody lost. The right lost with its conservative ideas. The left lost, now disintegrated and no longer able to find a balance between its members. And citizens who voted for Meloni lost and citizens who instead did not go to vote, giving up a fundamental right and duty. So everyone lost in this election. Yeah, basically one of the winners is also the um, like people who didn't go vote because it, it, the abstention was around 34 percent, 35, yeah, yeah, like 30 yeah. something percent. So it was very yeah. high. Yeah. So many young people. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, so the, the European Union will definitely look different with the new Italian government. I mean, we already commented about the possible outcomes in uh, in new partnerships, for example, again, with uh, with Poland, with Hungary, but also if there's going to be new elections in Spain, which which are going to happen, I I think if I'm not mistaken, in a couple of years, Vox might might, might uh, be the the second um, extreme right to to go in government uh, in a Western European country, which again, as we know, like Vox and uh, and Fratelli Italia are very much in line. If we want to consider Meloni as post-fascist, um, we can definitely consider Vox as a post-Frankist party um, in in ideology. So, what do you think um, mm-hmm. is is gonna is gonna happen in the European Union um, moving forward? Then, with the new Italian government, as I said before, Giorgia Meloni is is moving not in a line um, anti-European, but um, her ideas are anti-European because she's um, far from the, the values, the ideas of a European Union. So the matrix of her party and of um, the right parties in general are so far from European Union. So I think that it is a very important risk to this uh, countries to break with European Union. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so Italy is kind of known for changing governments very mm-hmm. often. I know that this <laughs> government hasn't even uh, been formed yet, so we're talking yeah. maybe too soon. <laughs> but how long do you think this this uh, again center and to center to extreme, let's say right government is gonna um, is gonna last? Also, considering that again, uh, most of the votes that uh, Meloni's party uh gained were basically for the most part stolen from her allies so from berlusconi's party and uh uh the northern league uh so matteo salvini's party so how long do you think it's gonna last like are they are they um still good together or do you think that something might happen that you know it's gonna break the it's gonna break their coalition Yeah, um, okay, maybe it's early to make firm assumption <laughs> about it, but um, no one knows the future. But I believe that this government does not have a long life. 
there are um, too many differences between Giorgia Meloni's ideas and those of the opposition regarding constitution, work, civil rights, environment. And at the same time, there is a really strong opposition that has no intention of going back on certain goals. There is also a segment of population that will certainly play its part by fighting to change things. Yeah. And uh, also about the relations between the relation between um, Giorgia Meloni, Matteo Salvini, and Berlusconi. Uh, so uh, Giorgia Meloni won. So uh, Matteo Salvini and uh, Berlusconi are in another position, and yeah. Giorgia Meloni has uh, yes, she gained all votes of the coalition. Yeah, uh, because both of them, both uh, uh, Berlusconi and um, and Salvini, got less than ten percent. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Of preferences, so yeah, I mean that's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be interesting to um, to see how it it turns out. So yeah, I mean these are all the questions that I that I had for you. So um, thank you very much for, for thank coming you, here. And, uh, thank you so much. So I hope we can uh, yeah. we can have you soon again to comment on what's what's going on in Italy maybe in uh, in a couple of months let's see how yes, sure. how the government is going so yeah thank you very much yeah thank you very much bye bye so now we have our next interviewee uh, which is Giuseppe Lipari how Giuseppe how are you doing nice to be here thank you very much it's great to be here uh thank you um okay so let's um uh, Again, let's start a bit um, about getting to know you. So, uh, you know, just tell us a bit about you. I am a student of uh, political science uh, and sociology and uh, uh, now starting, going to start a PhD in the next month. And I have been, uh, I've taken my master's degree at the University of Bologna in International Relations. And so, but I'm also interested in internal politics of Italy because I'm also following the political context in Italy since some years, since a few years. So uh, it's something very interesting for me to talk about this topic. And I thank you very much for this opportunity. No, oh, no, thank you for uh, for being here. Again, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, the results of the recent elections in uh, in Italy. And basically, I want to comment of what happened, considering your your background and your uh, let's say affiliation with the. Um, uh, with the think tank called Confine. I wanted to know more about the, and again, also about your background in international relations. Um, I wanted to comment on the fact that international media is talking about the, um, it's talking about this win as an extreme right win in Italy. However, Italian media is describing the winning coalition as um, cent- center right. So which one is right? And um, how can we understand what, what's going on right now? Well, uh, I think a very interesting uh, content could be used to to get also a bit of understanding and then, of course, develop uh, um, proper and our own ideas uh, is reading the, the the post that has been made by the Confine uh, think tank on, uh, on Instagram and also on the website. It's very interesting. It shows a bit uh, the contradiction that you were uh, mentioning um, I think that uh, uh, the good answer is in the middle uh, among the two perspectives, because on one side, the foreign media is giving an extreme perspective 
that looks a lot uh, at the past affiliations of the far right party that go the the, the majority of members of the cham of the of both chambers, both both houses. Um, that is Fratelli d'Italia. Uh, that is a party that comes from the the, the historical far right of Italy and also post fascist uh, in some cases. And uh, uh, so makes sense that there is a bit of, of fear. That there is a bit of a, uh, it's something new. Let's say this. Uh, but uh, on the other side, the Italian media is giving an idea that is totally uh, looking at the, the most recent uh, attempts of Giorgia Meloni, the leader of this party, to look like a, um, an internationally recognized and recognizable and acceptable leader. Uh, so it's a bit of a paradox. So the Italian media is following uh, and interpreting it as center-right and as a um, something normal uh, that can allow business as usual uh, in politics and foreign media is, is extremizing the, the the role of the far right and of the extremist parts of this party and in general of the center right coalition. It's important to say about international uh, affiliations that uh, there have been uh, clear expressions of uh, friendship uh, from Viktor Orban, for example, that was the one that uh, expressed the strongest uh, happiness for the, the victory uh, of the center-right in Italy. Uh, and, uh, of course, this uh, uh, shows that there are connections. There are connections among the parties of the conservatives on the far right. And it's also important to say that in the case of Giorgia Meloni and Fratelli d'Italia, these connections are um, well known internationally because Giorgia Meloni uh, is the president of the European uh, Conservatives. So it's not something uh, hidden, it's something public that everyone knows. Um, but of course, there are other connections that are more informal, they are not public, uh, they do exist, uh, but they can also be seen because uh, people from the right wing uh, meet themselves, uh, meet, meet each other uh, in different places at events. Uh, so there are connections among the rights, and it makes sense that there is. Uh, uh, an understanding of this leadership uh, as potentially different from the past. But at the same time, this is a leadership of a center-right coalition uh, in which uh, the party of Giorgia Meloni is not uh, enough to form a government. So this coalition can form a government, but this coalition needs to stay united, to stay together. At the same time, in this coalition, we have, the, for example, Forza Italia, these are party has, has already governed the country and it's also in the symbol in the, in the logo it was a direction that was written the European People's Party so in another uh, European political family so the, I think the good point stays in the middle uh, informing ourselves understanding that it goes in a complex European context uh, also towards for example more integration or for example about the um the, the 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 recovery plans have been made across europe all of these of course will be affected by the presence of this radical party but uh, the everything will be understood time by time and relations will be both with uh, we will be will be created uh with uh, with interaction uh, among the the new government this still has to be defined and for example an, another interesting point and then i close my answer uh, is that georgia meloni uh, in these days uh, is talking about putting um a technical uh, a person that is not uh, involved in politics uh, or at least not directly uh, as minister of foreign affairs so something that follows for example what has been done in another government that has been seen as uh, 
really potentially uh, different and, and radically different than was the government um, with, between the, the Northern League uh, and the Five Star Movement. In that case, again, a foreign minister that was not part of these parties, but it was more connected to the apparatus, no? to the structures the, of foreign affairs and to the expertise of, uh, of uh, international diplomacy, allowed even that government to stay more balanced and to be more respected in the international arena. It's really interesting when you commented about the European Union, basically, and how the European Union will look like, considering all the affiliations that, uh, again, Meloni's party has with uh, other uh, extreme right and right wing parties in in Europe, for example, like I mean, again, you mentioned uh, Orban, but um, I I kind of wanted to comment on uh, Abascal, on um, the leader of Vox, um, the far right movement. Uh, again, that's also like a post fascist movement in uh, in Spain. How do you think like the European Union in general, like not only as uh, institution but also as in more of transnational uh, partnerships with parties, um, how will that look like? Well, I, I do think that uh, it should be put uh, uh, in a trend that is not uh, uh, the same everywhere, but there is a sort of connection, of course, of the uh, new entrance, let's say, of the build, the, cre the creation of a new role of uh, former fascists or post-fascists, uh, uh, or in some cases, even uh, contemporary fascist <laughs> parties uh, in important European countries. So not anymore just in the peripheries of the European Union, but at its core, uh, Italy today uh, will have probably the possibility of a, of a, of a prime minister, uh, president del Consiglio, that is a, uh, a post-fascist, uh, and is connected with Vox, that is uh, already ruling uh, in some local uh, local governments uh, with the center right uh, in Spain. So is entering the institutions and, of course, institutionalization of far-right parties means also losing part of the ideological framework. And so, in some cases, even of uh, electoral potential and of connections with some parts you know, of the, the electorate and vote for the right wing because they want to change everything. Of course, when these parties go to power, things do change. Um, and Italy... Uh, has already done this a bit. And uh, it's important to remember that Giorgia Meloni in person has already been in a government with Silvio Berlusconi as prime minister. Uh, and uh, uh, these components just detached themselves to then rebuild their role as a far-right party. But in some cases, these leaders has, have already been uh, in, in even in, in the government in Italy together with the center-right and with the more liberal and uh, traditional conservative uh, power uh, uh, political groups. In Spain, it's important to remember that uh, when the People's Party was in power, there were also components that were somehow connected to the previous political e experience of the country. And so also in Spain, now in Spain is living what we lived in the, in the 90s and in the first years of this century. So the post-fascists in power together with the rest of the right wing, and then they grow, and uh, of course they can get new potential. What's happening in Sweden is also interesting. Um, also, uh, again, uh, I suggest to take a look at uh, the, the website of Confine and uh, at the uh, Instagram page, because it's, it's really interesting to see a country with a completely different um, historical background and social context 
which again, the far right is growing, how this will change Europe, uh, of course, it should be seen. Uh, I don't think it's easy to forecast, but because uh, we are seeing that the European Union is not being blocked by traditional, uh, for, for example, far right parties. The European Union is blocked by uh, problems that are part of its institutional framework. It's blocked by the balance of power that does exist among the nation states and the European level. And these things uh, are happening also when countries are ruled by social democrats, when countries are ruled by uh, traditional center-right parties. So will this have an impact? For sure, this will not lead to something as, uh, I know that there was the famous picture uh, in the train uh, with uh, uh, with the Italian, uh, French, and German heads of government uh, that they were showing now with Mario Draghi, Emmanuel Macron, and Scholz, uh, they were showing the the idea of you know a European integration that was led by the European powers, of course, and led by the main countries, the strongest countries of the European level, of course. Thinking about Georgia Meloni in this context is a bit more complicated, but uh, uh, some limitations uh, will continue as they were existing before. So with the nation states keeping a key role in the production of European policy, uh, with the limitations to foreign policy development uh, as a common uh, a common point of the European agenda. Uh, and so these things, for example, in these days we are seeing you know, that the problems also with Germany, with the, with the German foreign policy related to Russia, and Germany is ruled by a progressive government at the moment. So uh, it's important to not just consider the ideology as a framework. Ideologies are important; they matter. It's very important to vote for the parties that reflect more your uh, your idea, your perspective of the world. But it's also important to understand at European level other constraints do exist, other interests, and that the national interest is one of them. That's a very interesting point. It's an, um, a nice take on the on the issue. But now let's let's uh, go back and focus to the. Um, uh, we're not one hundred percent sure that you know. Um, we're let's say ninety nine percent sure that Meloni will lead the government, the new government, um, because of numbers. But you know, let, let's even though we're not one hundred percent sure, let's um, let's pretend that it's gonna happen because it might happen. Uh, very much, uh, very much be so. Um, so, on um. On a more social level, um, again, like if we if we think about um her speech, uh, during the um uh like a Vox meeting in Spain, um, Meloni talked about you know talked about it talked against basically the uh, LGBT community and in multiple occasions she talked about the um, freedom of abortion and uh you know what. She didn't really say exactly like she said that she wouldn't necessarily change the law um, that grants access to uh, abortion in Italy. However, um, she framed the uh, the understanding of freedom of abortion as in freedom of people to carry kids and freedom of doctors not to perform abortions. So she kind of basically gave a spin to the to the understanding of freedom uh, of again, um, having an abortion, making people understand that, you know, like something might happen um, that might limit the, um, again, the access to free and uh, healthy, let's say, abortions. 
what can you what can you tell us about this like what do you think it's it's gonna it's gonna happen because again like in italy there is a region that is really um uh governed by the um, uh, by meloni's party the access to abortion in that region is in fact very much limited so do you think that's going to be Uh, an example for the rest of Italy or um, is it not? And what about the uh, LGBT community? What do you think it, it might happen? Thank you very much. Uh, well, it's it's a complex situation, especially uh, I'm thinking about the, 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 the people that are listening to us from abroad. Uh, so from outside Italy, um, the problem of abortion in Italy is not a problem of uh, abortion being legal. The problem of abortion is abortion being available. Thanks to uh, obiezione di coscienza, that is the act in which a doctor can proclaim it's himself or herself um, as part of a faith or of a, an ethical perspective that is against abortion, doctors, and not just one, two doctors, but in some cases the majority or even the totality of doctors Uh, in a region uh, refuse to do the what's needed for abortion to, to happen. So uh, this is a big problem. Uh, we have seen uh, that uh, sometimes local governments, uh, even uh, to adjust at the local level, let's not forget that in Italy, um, healthcare system is public, but is mainly ruled by the regional level. So it's regionalized. Um, so we have seen local governments with the far right in power doing everything to make it even more complicated for, for women to, to, to reach uh, what is a right, because in Italy it is, it is legal and it's a right of women to, to get abortion. So I neither know if the point of this government will be to reduce the legal right to abortion, but probably they will do something to reduce the effective possibility to, to get uh, this right and to, to get uh, what is part of healthcare services for, for women uh, granted everywhere in the country. So, of course, uh, I, I really hope this will not happen because on a human point of view, this will be terrible. Uh, the feminist movement is already in action. Uh, they are demonstrating, they have been demonstrating in the last few days It's important to underline that at the moment we still do not have a far-right government in Italy, that at the moment Giorgia Meloni is not the prime minister. So at the moment there is another party in power. Uh, well, there is a coalition in power uh, in which, uh, for example, Forza Italia and the Northern League, so two allies of Giorgia Meloni are also part. Uh, but uh, uh, this is a possibility. There is a possibility Uh, and also, at the same time, there is the possibility of these claims to get institutionalized uh, and so on, reduced, uh, maybe used uh, just for political communication and, uh, and propaganda and less uh, for effective uh, policy making. Uh, but for sure, the movement uh, is, is protesting already, is ready. Uh, the feminist movement with its, all of its branches uh, is, uh, is mobilizing across the country. And if abortion uh, will be touched uh, by the government, for sure, Italy will see, again, great mobilizations uh, on the point. Um, then, of course, uh, it's important to say 
that this is not just about abortion, this is about uh, uh, civil rights as a whole, so also LGBTQIA plus families. Uh, it's probably impossible to think about uh, uh, the establishment of equal marriage in Italy, because at the moment we have uh, uh, as a different institution for um, uh, homosexual couples uh, that uh, does not allow them to, um, to to get children or to get their children recognized as their children, as part of their families. It's probably impossible to think uh, with this kind of government that is going to be formed, uh, to think about uh, an expansion of uh, LGBTQI plus community rights. Uh, so, uh, of course, uh, what's the legal framework of Italy is already discriminatory for uh, the LGBTQIA plus community. But it's also important to remember that uh, these laws were made, um, of course, as a progress, but was a progress uh, always not reaching real equality and real equal rights. And we are talking about civil rights and liberties. When we move uh, to social rights, of course, having empowered political parties that promised to the richest in this country, uh, a cut of the of taxes, and so reaching the flat tax. No, the, the same um, uh, the same percentage of taxes for all means in a country a potential danger for uh, all the other rights. Uh, the, the the right to, for example, uh, we have a concrete risk of uh, uh, the working class getting more taxed by this government to cut taxes to to the super rich people. So this is a danger. Uh, this is a danger that also couldn't take, for example, a, limita- a further limitation in public spending. So with an impact also on the economy and on the, on the, on the workforce and on the, on the labor market at, at all. So all of these things will be together. Uh, with the Berlusconi's government, big mobilizations have been done against these threats. And against another thing that has been also somehow seen as uh, interesting by the progressive is the change of the constitution. Luckily. Uh, not from my personal perspective, but in general, for the sake of democracy and of pluralist democracy, despite winning, well, this center right has no majority in the country because they. I'm talking about the the the, the votes for the lower house, but the, the upper house has more or less the same results. They got the 43 percent of the votes. They will have a majority thanks to the electoral law that will allow them to government in parliament, but to govern in parliament, but at the same time, they will not have the power to change the constitution. So if they want to change the constitution, they need to propose a law in parliament. They can approve it by majority, but then there should be a referendum. So with all the people voting and expressing if they're in favor or against. If they start touching the most complicated and dangerous political points uh, of uh, the the Italian political system, of course, uh, they will need to consider that uh, they represent uh, less than half of the voters and, of course, even less of the people with the possibility of voting in this country. So the overage, and there are not just overage people in Italy, there are many other people. So it's important to consider that uh, there could be years uh, of, uh, uh, of demonstrations, of organizations, and of political, uh, of political uh, also confrontation, I hope, uh, not using violence. It's important to remember that when uh, the the center right was in power, Italy has one of the worst uh, 
and suffered one of the worst violations of human rights uh, during the G8 uh, in Genoa. They saw the, probably the longest and the heaviest um, violation and suspension of the rule of law in, in Europe since decades. And uh, so it's important to remember that uh, all of these variables will be uh, in the field. And it's important to hope that Italy keeps a democratic dialogue, a democratic uh, even uh, competition uh, on topics and ideas, but it can stay uh, on levels of uh, non-violent uh, debate or pacific demonstration and on the other side of uh, acceptance and not repression. I wanted to ask you like a more, uh, let's say, generic question about, because uh, we went right in um, on discussing the results. Um, but I didn't ask you, like, I think that should have been the first question, which is, uh, who are the winners and who are the losers of um, this election? Can you give us a brief recap? Of course. Um, well, for sure, the center-right has won this election because they will have a parliamentary majority in both houses. As I was saying, not enough to change the constitution alone, but uh, enough to form a government. Uh, and uh, uh, the losers... Uh, uh, is the, is the progressive, uh, the progressives are everywhere uh, in the country. There has been a center-left coalition made by Democrats, two liberal centrist parties, and uh, a red-green uh, alliance composed of uh, more leftist parties. And uh, this coalition didn't reach the 30%. So a defeat on votes, that has meant also a stronger defeat on seats because uh, of the Italian law in which one third of the seats of both houses is elected through uh, first-past-the-post constituencies, but the vote you give to these first-past-the-post constituencies is not effectively free because it's mandatorily connected to the vote you give to the proportional to the to the other part with proportional representation. So if you vote for a list in the, the proportional representation, you automatically vote for the candidate of the coalition that is connected to the list uh, in the first class, the post constituencies. So what happened was that the, the, the progressives being divided, and that has been objectively the big mistake they made politically, they lost many, many constituencies. Just to provide an example with that, with the 43%, as I was saying, 43.79, uh, according to the website of the uh, Ministry of the Internal Affairs, the right wing elected 121 uh, first past the post uh, uh, members of the, of the lower uh, house. So 121 with the 26% the progressives elected just 12. So you, you understand that the proportion is, is extreme. And at the same time, there has been a third uh, force. It was the Five Star Movement, has been the first party at the previous elections. They got 15%. They elected 10 uh, members of the parliament in the first past the post. Of course, why I'm talking about the first past the post? Because the others were proportional. Were proportional, so they just got in the house what they were, uh, what they were getting the votes. But the division among the progressives, the center left and the five star, they were ruling together in the government Conte before the government of Draghi, and they are ruling also some local administrations together. So they had established an alliance previously, 
the division among the, the, the progressives and the Five Star Movement has meant an even greater opportunity of the center right to win these elections. So they are the losers. Then in the middle, there is uh, the, the, the liberal area, they got a, a bit less than 8% uh, that elected 21 members of the parliament just in the proportional. So they didn't manage to elect anyone in the first past the post seats. Uh, and uh, of course, they made the result. It's a result that somehow has been done similarly in previous elections when there was a similar project uh, uh, with some difference, of course, but centrist liberal led by Mario Monti, for example. Uh, so they put themselves in the middle. Uh, and of course, they are outside both fields, but they also decided to stay outside a coalition uh, with, the, with the Democratic Party and with the center-left. So it's important to see all these three blocks, the center-left, five-star movements, and the liberals as losers, independently of how many seats they got. So, for example, the liberals got a good amount of seats. That is, of course, respectable and important. The five-star, the same. The center-left lost uh, some seats, but, for example, for some parties like the, the, the red-greens, it was an increase of seats anyways. Uh, so I don't think it's it's okay to look at the small results. And it's a big mistake in general of Italian political parties just to look at how many members of the parliament they elected and not at the general picture. This picture is a picture in which the right wing will rule the country with a, an exaggerated amount of seats thanks to the fact that the others were not coalized together. They were not uh, working together for the uh, first past the post seats. So almost one third of the seats of the parliament went to the right wing, even though in that in those constituencies, maybe they were, they were getting the, 50, the 25, 25, 25, 30, 35%. So mm -hmm. really something that everyone that knows a bit of uh, first past the post uh, systems, or now the UK, uh, even in France, even though the law is different, they know these numbers are not really what you expect from a coalition uh, then ready to rule the country alone uh, and without the need of further alliances. They got a 43%, good result, but this result got even better thanks to the division of the progressives. Thank you for uh, for being our guest and for giving us these um, this amazing insight. Again, we're going to be sharing uh, your uh, your article on uh, our Instagram stories when when this podcast is going to be out so that people that you know understand a little bit of Italian can actually um, uh, can read and uh, and see what's, what's going on more in depth so again thank you very much has been a pleasure thank you very much and uh, see you soon we really hope you enjoyed our episode and if you enjoy what we do you can follow us on spotify on instagram on facebook and all the main social media platforms and if you're listening to us on itunes please give us a good rating because that will really help us thank you